Hello and welcome back to this week's episode of the Turkey Hunter Podcast. You are listening to episode 83, the 2016 turkey season recap and takeaways. And I'm your host and the guy who thinks that cold leftover pizza for breakfast is a five-star meal. And we are 293 days, 9 hours, 47 minutes, and 32 seconds away from opening day of spring turkey season in Alabama. I remember about this time last year going through these very high numbers, 293 days away from opening day of season, and I was thinking, I know it's going to get here fast, but it can't get here fast enough. And now it's gotten here and gone, and we're looking towards 2017. So I was going to cover this week's topic last week, but because I thought last week's interview with Derek Colbert was so interesting, well, I bumped myself, and I wanted to get the interview with Derek out to you guys. So I put today's topic on hold, and even though I bumped today's topic back a week, I still really feel like you guys are going to get a lot out of today's show. So today, I'm going to recap my 2016 turkey hunting season and let you guys in on what my takeaways from the season were. Some things that I learned that maybe I didn't know or things that I learned that I had forgotten and just needed to relearn or things that I've experienced this year that I never have experienced before in my life. So that's what I want to go over. But I've got a little something extra that I want to sweeten the pot with. Today, I'm bringing in the official Turkey Hunter Podcast intern, Cameron, to talk about his 2016 season recap and his takeaways from his season as well. And Cameron hunted in Tennessee and Alabama this year. And I've got one question for him that I don't think he's expecting from me that I can't wait to get the answer to. So one of my favorite parts of nearly every interview that I do for this show is when I ask the guest of the show to tell us the story of their most recent successful turkey hunt and one or two things about that hunt that helped make it a success. So today I'm not going to get into the stories behind the hunt because, well, we don't have two or three hours to kill. But if you want the stories from my turkey season, then you can get those. And you'll actually go on those hunts with me on my new podcast called Spurred. And you can get that information about Spurred by texting the word Spurred to the number 44222. Now that turkey season has ended, and I've pretty well got all the kinks worked out on how to deliver this content to you guys, I'm very close to getting the first set of these podcasts rolled out. But I'm going to play just a few clips for you so that you can get a taste of what you'll hear on Spurred. And I'm excited to bring this show to you and have you come along on my hunts with me. So here's what you're going to get when you listen to Spurred.
you enjoyed that and you guys are going to realize when you subscribe to the show and you start listening to these episodes that I talk to myself a lot <laughs> and so you're going to think I'm a complete idiot which I am I don't mind admitting that my number one rule in life is if you can't laugh at yourself you are not allowed to laugh at anyone else and I am not afraid to laugh at myself so there's a lot to laugh at in these podcasts. All right, so without further delay, I want to get into today's topic. And before I get into all of that with me, I'm going to say hello to Cameron. 
and I'm going to pick Cameron's brain. So, Cameron, how are you today, and where are you? Hey, Mr. Andy. I'm doing great. I'm actually in a city called Big Sandy, Tennessee right now, working on a house, doing construction this summer while I'm out of school. And uh, we're trying to finish this house up right here. we got a deadline on Saturday, so we've been working 12, 13-hour days, but I'm doing well. Good deal. I'm glad you're working hard over the summer instead of just lounging and being a man of leisure. Well, right now I'm about wishing I was a man of leisure, but <laughs> since I was little, I've been working hard every summer and continuing the trend now. Good deal. Hard work never hurts you. Yes, sir. So... This year was really your first year to hunt in Alabama a good bit, was it not? Yes, sir. It was my first time hunting in any state for turkeys other than Tennessee. All right. Good deal. And you actually killed your first Alabama turkey this year. Yes, sir. Yes, sir, I did. It was probably mid-season. took a little while, but I finally did it, and it, it felt good. It felt good to get one on the ground in a different state. Oh, yeah. It does really feel good, and when you have that goal of getting a bird in another state and you put in a lot of time like you did, that is quite an accomplishment. So having done it in several states myself, I know how difficult that can be and congratulations on that. So just overall, give us a summary on your turkey season. Okay. I'd say started out at the very bottom of the pit and had some of the worst turkey hunting of my entire life to start the season. And then about midway through, had a great season to end it and the middle portion. But I'm telling you, that it went it went from the very bottom to, you know, high, high up there because it, it was terrible. And you know that. I was calling you and texting you, and, you know, you're sending me pictures of all these gobblers you're killing the first week of the season. And I'm telling you, I hadn't heard a gobble, and I hadn't seen a turkey, and I, I finally heard one, but some other guy shot him and everything else under the sun. Yeah. And I, I was just, I was at an all-time low with turkey hunting at the beginning of this year. You were a little down and out early on, and I probably did not help you out any when I was sending you pictures of dead turkeys about every other day for the first week. Yeah, when the first week of the season, you get three dead turkeys sent to you, and you have yet to hear a gobble. It it gets you down a little bit. (laughs) I was walking some miles, and, you know, about mile six during the day, I get a text from you with a big old gobbler sprawled out. You're taking your selfie with him. You know, I'm just sitting there like, oh, come on. (laughs) (laughs) Well, you got a little bit of payback in the middle of the season. I got I got a few selfies from you yeah. in the middle of the season when I was struggling. So that was a little bit of payback. But here's the question that I want to ask you. Okay. And, you know, you can't give a true comparison because it's not really apples to apples. Mm-hmm. Your spots that you hunt in Tennessee, you know well. You've hunted them for years. Mm-hmm. And you know what the turkeys do on those pieces of property, you know when they do it, and because you've done your scouting, that helps you to be able to kill birds. And that's not necessarily the case for the pieces of property that you hunted in Alabama. But my question to you is, as good of a comparison as you can give, which birds do you think are tougher to hunt? Definitely Alabama birds. I mean, they're both eastern, so they're going to be extremely hard to hunt. But right off the bat, I can tell you those Alabama birds are harder to kill. They they literally, like, hardly gobbled at all this season. And you even experienced that. They go through lulls where they just do not gobble. And, man, those suckers are smart. And you got the terrain so much different because I'm from West Tennessee. So it's flat as can be out here. 
And then I get down there to Alabama, and, I mean, it's up and down and up and down. So you're sweating and huffing and puffing trying to get to the gobbler. And then you, you really have to factor in that you need to be uphill from him, from books that I've read and from what everyone told me. is You want to be uphill of the turkey when you try to call him. Right. And so that's, that's a whole other factor. And then, you know, man, this is here in Alabama, you got all these ridges, and then there's creeks in between them. There's so many things in between you and that turkey. And just overall, the way the turkeys acted here with me, I mean, they literally kicked my butt this season. Other than one, one sacrificed himself. And the rest of them, they just whipped me. But I, I plan on trying it again next year. I'm going to pay the, the big bucks for the out-of-state license and try them again next year. But, you know, it's only been one season, but definitely this year the Alabama birds had the upper hand. Yeah. Well, I have hunted Tennessee one time, and I hunted public land, and it just, I don't know. I think that the land, where we hunted, which was land between the lakes, mm-hmm. the way that property lays out was very similar to what I'm used to hunting in Alabama. Yeah. But there's a lot more agricultural fields than I'm used to hunting on land between the lakes in Tennessee. Because in Alabama, I don't hunt very many ag fields. Yeah. So to me, that made that hunting a little bit easier. That's a great point because here we have bean field, corn field everywhere. And you just, I mean, if if you can't find them in the woods, you just hop in your truck and drive to all the fields you can hunt and glass them, and you might find Tom out there strutting. Alabama, the the whole thing looks the exact same. I mean, it's like, it's seriously, it's like the whole state, they can be anywhere. And then, yeah. you know, there's some parts of the state, there's lots of agriculture, but the properties I was hunting there, it was, it literally was the exact same terrain over the whole property. So I was just like, all right, why, why would a turkey be here and not on, you know, two miles that way? It all looks the same. And so that's a really good point is we do have more agricultural fields here. So you got your good pair of binoculars and you got upper hand right there. You got more eyesight that you can use. Yeah. We do a great job of Farming pine trees in this state. Yeah. So there's not much else that's being grown. There are, like you said, there are some pockets where there is still some agriculture, but primarily cattle and pine trees. Yeah. So it does make it more difficult. But I found the turkey hunting in Tennessee to be easier than Alabama, and we hunted public land in Tennessee. Yeah. And so... You know, having those ag fields to do just what you said, to glass and look for turkeys strutting out there or feeding out in those fields during the day, and especially when we were there, it rained probably three of the five days that we were there. Mm-hmm. And so that really pushed those turkeys out into the field and made it a little bit oh, easier. Yeah. But, you know, like I said, it's just so hard to compare a turkey in Alabama versus a turkey anywhere else in the country because you're not on the same playing field. Yeah, exactly. But it also was just eye-opening to me of, you know, they're both eastern birds and bordering states, but the birds here acted so different than the ones back home. I mean, it felt like I was hunting a whole new breed of turkey. Yeah. I literally, the, the few I did finally get on that were gobbling, they were masters. I, I could call those turkeys to 80 yards probably every day of the season. That was it. They were masters at hanging up at about 80 yards where I could see that tail fan strutting just a little bit, and then they'd just sit there and gobble their head off. I mean, I had one, he gobbled from the minute he flew down about 80 yards in front of me until 1030. He gobbled all morning long and would not take another step towards me. And I've had that happen once or twice here in Tennessee. I had it happen to me a bunch, actually, with one particular turkey. He he was named because he 
whipped us so many times. But that, other than that one, that, that, that hadn't been a recurring theme, and that happened to me multiple times in Alabama. Yeah, yeah, they're very good at doing that. Yeah, and the the main thing for me, the huge difference was the elevation. I mean, I went and hunted the WMA over there in Coosa County. I mean, the first day I went, I didn't bring any water with me. I seriously thought I was going to, like, have to crawl back. I, I was dead. I mean, I felt like I just climbed, like, the Rockies over there. And it, I mean, I, I, I was not prepared. But uh, I definitely uh, increased my thigh strength and everything over the season hunting in Alabama. When I got home, I was walking all over Tennessee, and my friends would all be sweating, and I'm just jogging along like it's nothing because I've been hunting there all season so far. Yeah. I got a call from Cameron the first day he went to the WMA in Coosa County, and I think he was about, I don't know, what, three, four miles away from the truck Yeah. at the time that you called me, and he was like, man, I don't have any water, and I didn't know it was so hilly out here, and I've got to walk all the way back, and I thought, man, I'm going to have to call the Lifesaver helicopter to go pick Cameron up. I thought you were going to, too, man. I I did not think, I was not prepared. The second time I went up there, I carried like three gallons of water with me. I was ready. Yeah, yeah. It, It is pretty hilly up there, but there's a good number of birds. Yeah, so yeah, I heard some gobblers up there. I mean, they're they're public land birds, so they were very wise. But I did hear some gobbles up there, so it's a great place. Yeah. So how many turkeys did you end up killing? You killed the I, one in Alabama. Yep, and I killed two more in Tennessee. Okay. And, and then, I, I also got to call one up for my brother, and he shot him. And I also called one more up for a juvenile in Tennessee on Tennessee Juvenile. His first ever turkey. So that was that was pretty special. That's awesome. All right, so you were part of the demise of five turkeys, and then you missed one in Alabama. The the first bird I I ever laid eyes on in Alabama, just completely missed him. There was was no, like, oh, yeah, I rolled him or something. I I completely and absolutely missed this turkey, just flat-out missed him. I've I've never done that where I knew the second I pulled the trigger that I just missed the heck out of this turkey. Yeah. What was the situation with that, uh, you know, without getting into the whole story? Was he too yeah. far? No, he was. He had sat out there at about 50 yards. And I've killed maybe one or two turkeys at about 50 yards, but I, I really want him to be at 40. You know what I mean? Yeah. I just feel like at 40 yards, if he's at 40, he is dead, yeah. in, in my opinion. I, I can kill a turkey at 40 yards, you know, unless something crazy happens. But this turkey had stood there at about 50 to 55 yards, right on the edge, and gobbled all, you know, for about 30 minutes right at me. I'd called him up over this ridge, and he was standing right there. I'm watching him strutting all morning, and I could tell he got he got nervous. And he started realizing, all right, I don't see a hen over there because I didn't have any decoys out. If I had decoys out, he'd have been in the bag. But I didn't have my decoys out. And he got all nervous. And uh, one tip that I've heard in, uh, I think it's in the Old Pro Turkey Hunter by Gene Nunnery. And I've also heard multiple people say this, is that if you see that gobbler comes out of strut and he starts walking and he kind of shuffles his wing feathers up behind his back, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And he kind of does those up on his back. That sucker is gone. That that is yeah. like his sign that he is about to be leaving the woods. Yeah. And he did that, but he started heading off to my right at a slight angle towards me, and he hit about 45 yards. But he was walking pretty fast through the woods, and I tried a shot on him. And I mean, I just I knew I, I put my bead about one step in front of him, 
and he didn't step and I shot and shot right in front of him and then he took off running. So I know he's yeah. fine. So that was, you know, I'd rather have that happen than wound him or something. So at least I know he's still right. there if somebody else didn't get him, but I, I did just flat out miss. And then, then I went on and, and I killed my first Alabama bird the same day about two hours later. Yeah. Yeah. So I did get some meat. I call that what you just described with that turkey and what he did. I call that packing his bags. Yep, that that's, he's packing up and he's getting the heck out of Dodge. And I I heard that for the first time and I I remembered it happened to me once. I was like, ah, you know, maybe that's true. But I've seen that I've seen that three, four, or five times, and they all do the same thing. They put those wings yeah. up behind their back, and then what they're gonna do is they're gonna go get a big oak tree, something between you and them, and the next time you see them, they're 150 yards in the other way. Yeah. And uh, it, it, it's incredible that they do that. It's a cool sign, though. I mean, if you see those wings go up, you better, you know he's heading out. So if he's, if he's in range, you better get him. Yeah, yeah. So that's a little something that I think people can take away and, and put in the memory banks to use for next season. Yeah. What other kind of takeaways did you come out of the season with that you think will help you to be a better turkey hunter next season? Well, I'd say this season, more than any, I had to learn a lot about patience. And I know that's just everything with turkey hunting is about patience. But this year, it was a lot. I love to run and gun. And I, I love to walk around and go, you know, keep walking and cutting and finding a bird. And, but this year, I had to finally realize that wasn't working for me. And so I started doing more of a, you know, I'd set up, call for 30 minutes, 45 minutes, and then get up and go try another place if, if nothing responded. I had to do a lot more of that. And then just with birds that would go silent on me, I had to sit longer on them and wait. And uh, I just wasn't used to that because the past couple seasons, I've been a big run and gun guy where I just walk around and cut and call and cut and call. And then something responds and I sit down on him and call him up. And that's just how I've done it. So I'd say patience is definitely one thing I, I really had to learn this year and will be implemented more over the next couple seasons. Because the birds really didn't gobble that much this year. There was not ever heavy gobbling for me, at least. Yeah. And another thing that this year was the first time I ever fanned a turkey. And so that was a, a new trick in the bag for me. I'd seen some videos of it and stuff and thought I'd try it out and saw a bird with some hens out in the field and fanned him up. And it was textbook fanning a turkey, I guess. And so that, that's another thing I learned this year for sure. And uh, I'd say maybe a third thing that I learned from the season is calling technique. I learned, I actually learned this from you when I went with you. I noticed the cadence in your calls. You, you never really repeated the exact same run. You did a lot of changing that, you know, you'd start out going kind of low and then go high and then back low again. You know what I mean? It wasn't the same yeah. five yelps. It was like a low one, low one, high, 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 and low. You know what I mean? Right. And so I, I learned that this year, that, that kind of talk right there, that's some good stuff. And then also the purrs and clucks, that's a deadly call right there. Uh, er yeah. Everybody loves to yelp, and I, I do too. I love to yelp and cut. But this year I really thought, I really learned that that purr with a, with a cut or purr with a cluck on the end, that's a good call right there. And I use that a lot, and they really respond well to that. Yeah. That is a really good thing to mix into your calling and especially you know if you get that bird that's hung up out there at 80 yards and you can purr do some soft purrs and clucks and you know mm -hmm. really kind of lay off the yelping at that point just really truth be told if that bird's out at 80 yards and you can see him you don't even need to be calling to him but if you just oh, yeah. can't if you just can't stand it then give them 
some purrs, a couple of real soft clucks, and you know, just wait and see what happens. But you know, that's that's the thing. And what you would run across in Alabama is if you're watching a bird at 75 or 80 yards and he's out there and he's strutting, that bird knows that there's no hen where he heard that hen calling from. Mm-hmm. And if there was a hen there, that hen's she supposed to come to him. him. Yep. Yep. And so and, uh, the, it it makes it really difficult, and it's hard on us because a lot of times we don't realize that we've called too much until it's too late. And so what I would tell you is when those birds hang up at 75 and 80 yards, you may have called too much too early because he that turkey knows where that hen sound came from, the exact leaf that that hen or that hunter was on when the hen sound was made. Yeah, So absolutely. And that's an incredible thing about them is how well they can pinpoint that from hundreds of yards away. Yeah. I mean, it, it, that's unbelievable. I mean, they, they know exactly where that's coming from. And if they get up there and they don't see a hen there, and they stand there at 80 yards. I mean, there's there's nothing you can do. You can call all you want, but he'll be looking there and won't see you. He's not coming. Yeah. Yeah. Best thing to do is sit there quietly, let him walk off the other way, and either go to where he was and call one time and sit there quietly or try to figure out where you think he's going when he leaves that spot. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And try again another day, maybe. Yeah. Yeah. Do you have any other takeaways that you think will help somebody or help you? Yeah, so I'd say one last tip is just to really use your resources. And one thing I really do is I I read a lot of books. Uh, I've read a lot of books by uh, Tom Kelly. I've read Illumination in the Flatwoods, which you actually suggested to me, which is really interesting about the biology and the the actual just how turkeys are. And then uh, The Old Pro Turkey Hunter by Gene Nunnery is another awesome book. And then, I mean, you have resources like this podcast and, and things like this and TV shows and everything else that are just going to teach you so much about turkey hunting. And you might pick up some tips and tidbits along the way that you just, you're in the woods one day and then all of a sudden you remember, you know, hearing this or reading this or seeing this and you're like, hey, I might as well try it and it might might get you another bird. So definitely use all these different types of resources that we have these days. Yeah, definitely. There's a ton of information out there and, you know, you have to weed through some of it to get to some good stuff, but there is a lot of good stuff that's there. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, something that that I think everybody can benefit from. Yep, yep, for sure. Well, uh, tell me about your turkey season. I know I got plenty of pictures of selfies with a bearded Mr. Andy uh, laid out next to a big old gobbler. So tell me about how how many did you end up getting this year? Yeah, I think in some of those pictures towards the end of the season, my beard was getting as long as some of the turkeys that I'd kill. Yeah, yeah, it was good, man. I mean, you you put on a beard over turkey season. I'll give you that. <laughs> it, it was it was pretty fantastic. Well, I can't grow it on top of my head, so I'll just grow it on my face. Well, it it grows there. I guarantee it. Well, it was a very interesting season for me. I actually was part of the killing or missing of 10 turkeys this season. Wow. And, yeah, so it it was really interesting, but it was what you described about your season fit my season. I had a really bad span of the turkey season sandwiched by the front end and back end of the season being fantastic. Mm. So 
you know, I went a period there for three weeks where I'm going to say I didn't hear a turkey gobble, but really what it boils down to is I didn't hear a turkey that I could legally hunt gobble. Yeah. But I did go about 10 or 11 straight days without hearing a turkey gobble, period. And that's hard to keep waking up in the mornings with that. It is. And, you know, my wife asked me the question. She said, well, why do you get up and go? And I said, because tomorrow's the morning. Tomorrow's yep. the morning I'm going to hear a turkey gobble. Yep. So, you know, you, you have to get up and you have to go. Otherwise, you may miss that one morning out of the week when they do gobble. Mm-hmm. But it was... A really interesting season for me. It got to the point to where at the end of the season, the hunting club that I was in in Jefferson County, which is about 40 miles north and a little bit west of where I live, that's where I was going and hunting during the week. I was not hearing turkeys there. And I was seeing very, very little gobbler sign at all. And so I even for pretty much the last week of the season, I even quit hunting there for a couple of reasons. First and foremost, the two areas where there were some fresh gobbler tracks, those areas were getting hunted a good bit. And I kind of felt like on 3,000 acres, there should have been more gobblers on that property. And so I didn't want to take any more turkeys off that property myself. So I quit hunting there, and I went to close out the season locally around my house at my property in Chilton County, which is about 30 miles south of my house. And it's a small piece of property, but there are turkeys there, and you know I got to hear a lot of gobbling and actually had a couple of, I'm going to say semi-hunts. But it's a situation where that property is so small that if the birds are there, you've got to hunt. If the birds are not there, there's no hunt. But you can at least stand there and listen to turkeys gobble on the neighbor's property, which was much more than I was getting on the hunting club that I was in in Jefferson County, north of my house. So I went from the middle of the season to where I was down and out and really concerned about the turkey population in the state to the end of season going on the trip around the world, as my buddies and I call it, where we go to (laughs) each other's different hunting camps all in the state of Alabama. But we call it the trip around the world because we go from one club to another club to another club, and we never really set up roots and just absolutely mopped them up in West Alabama. So that's how I pretty much ended out the season in Alabama. It was a good run of about 10 days and really three turkeys dying in two days added to that made it a good time. But one thing that really stood out this turkey season over any other time that I've hunted is that there are pockets of the state where the turkey population is still pretty healthy. And there are pockets in the state to where, from what I saw, the turkey population is really struggling. And Hmm. I'm not going to claim to know as much as the biologists know, but I think to have a season that, for the most part, is the same statewide, north, south, east, west, and there are some differences. There are a few counties in the state that have different seasons, more conservative seasons, shorter seasons, I guess is the best way to say it. But I think that the state of Alabama is really going to have to look long and hard at some of these areas 
where the population is low, and possibly it's due to bad hatches. More than likely, it's due to several different reasons. But I think they're going to have to look at changing either the season length or the bag limit or both in some of those areas. And so it was really pretty interesting to me because in West Alabama, the population seemed to be pretty healthy. Central Alabama, where I hunted, the population seemed to be okay. And Jefferson County, it was really interesting in that there were a lot of hens. I saw a lot of hen sign and saw a lot of hens, but the number of gobblers in the area was extremely low, and especially towards the end of season, areas that we were seeing tracks in, there were no tracks. So one of the takeaways that I got from all of that is that when turkeys move out of an area where they've been the whole season, you have to get out and re-scout. You can't just go to that area and say, okay, well, I'm going to hunt there because there's been a turkey there all season long. Well, that turkey may have died or moved to a different area. And you've got to get out and cover some ground and start looking for some fresh sign, fresh gobbler sign. Just because there's hen tracks there does not mean that there's a gobbler there. So that was one of my takeaways. Another thing, too, about late season that I learned this year is that if a turkey gets henned up late season, there's a really good chance that that hen's not interested in him. If that hen has a nest and she needs to go sit on that nest, and it's 7.30, 8 o'clock in the morning, don't give up on that turkey, because chances are that hen will leave him. And if you're in the area and you're still calling, there's a real good chance he's going to break away from that hen and come check you out. And that Hmm. is exactly what my buddy Todd and I had happen on two birds. And it was something that makes completely perfect sense. But just something that I'd never witnessed with my eyes. I'm sure it's happened in the past, but I've never seen it happen because it just wasn't out in the open. But I actually did see it happen this year, and I saw it happen twice. So if a bird's got one or two hens with him late in the season, you can actually get pretty aggressive with your calling and stand a good chance of calling that bird to you. Another takeaway is shooting-related And first thing, the first takeaway there is you owe it to the turkey and you owe it to yourself to look for a turkey after you shoot that either runs or flies. I actually saw it happen twice this season. Once the turkey ran after the shot, the second time the turkey flew after the shot, and both of those turkeys are in the freezer right now Hmm. because we took the time to look for them. Yeah, yeah. So, I know you called me after the the one that ran and told me that story. That was that was incredible. I'd never heard anything about a turkey that ran like he'd not even been hit, and then y'all found him laying yeah. over there like he'd just been shot in the back of the head. Yeah, in a pool of blood. Yeah, man, you talk about going from a low to a high. Yeah, yeah. There it is, right there. In a matter of minutes. Yeah, absolutely. And then to think, you know, I actually walked around and looked for that bird and couldn't find him so I thought I missed and I was just standing there talking to my buddy Todd and we decided to go after the bird that he missed that was gobbling again after he missed him and I turned and looked and the direction that I was about to walk out of the woods my turkey was laying there about 15 feet from me Wow! and so 
Don't give up on that bird. Look after you shoot. Pay attention to where that turkey's headed. And you owe it to that turkey. You owe it to yourself as well to go and look for that bird. And you never know. I had it happen twice in one season. You may end up finding him. The second time it happened was on a hunt in Virginia with my buddy Brian. And Brian missed a turkey earlier that morning. I met up with him later in the morning. And we stumbled across a bird out in the field and actually fanned that bird in. Brian shot. The bird took about three steps and flew and flew around a little island of woods in the middle of the field. And Brian didn't know it, but hit the ground, basically dead as a hammer. Wow. And Brian was just beside himself. In fact, he had just walked off. I mean, he shot, the bird took off, and he just turned and walked off and left. And I went and looked for the bird and started walking around the edge of the woods, that little island of woods out in the field, and I heard him flop one time, heard him flap his wings one time, and he was dead when I got to wow. him. So I think that's a great lesson that we all need to pay attention to. And another takeaway is, I kind of hinted to it just a second ago when I talked about the bird that my buddy Todd missed that started gobbling again. If you miss a turkey, don't give up on him. Not in the respect of what I was just talking about, but if you clean miss a bird and he runs off, that bird is still killable. And I'm not saying you're going to be able to do it every single time, but you might even be able to kill that bird that same morning. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that is exactly what Todd Yeah, ended up doing that. Yeah. So that's a few takeaways from my season. You know, I think one other good takeaway in this I found was really prominent for me in the early part of the season, and that is that turkeys are very killable midday, mm. and especially when they're hinned up in the mornings. And it's nothing new. That's no real shocker. But in the states where you can hunt all day long, early season is that time of year when you need to be hunting all day long because those birds will break off from those hens or they'll get separated from the hens midday and they're lonely and they're looking for somebody to play with and it may as well be you. So that's another another good reminder. Yeah, absolutely. You had a lot of success around 12 o'clock, which a lot of people were back home napping by then. That's exactly right. And, you know, there have been plenty of times when I've been napping at noon after a nice lunch in turkey season, but I tell you what I'll be doing more of going forward is I'll be taking my lunch with me and eating lunch in the woods and even probably catching a nap in the middle of the woods midday. But I will be in the woods early season a lot more going forward, and I expect to have as much success doing that in future seasons as I did this season. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I mean, you you had so much success there. I don't know why you wouldn't. Yeah. You know, one other thing that, for me, that I was able to accomplish this turkey season is that I was able to get some new people out into the woods, and I was able to hunt with some new people that I'd never hunted with, experienced turkey hunters. And I didn't have much luck with the new hunters that I took, but I had a great time sharing my passion for the sport with Mm -hmm. those new hunters. And I know that one of those new hunters has expressed interest in hunting again next season because he wants to get a date on the calendar already for (laughs) next season. Even though we didn't have any luck, we didn't even hear a turkey gobble that day. 
but he wants to go back out and wants to learn more about it. And we need to be sharing our sport with others more frequently. Absolutely. You know, that was something that I was glad to be able to do. And I was glad to be able to, like I said, hunt with some people that I'd never hunted with before, some experienced hunters. And I always learn something from everyone that I hunt with, whether it's a first-time turkey hunter or an experienced turkey hunter. And I enjoy turkey hunting with others. And don't get me wrong, I enjoy going out and calling a bird in for myself and taking a selfie. But the sport is so enjoyable when you can share it with somebody else and you can make some lifelong friends out of doing that by hunting with people that you've never turkey hunted with before. So for me, that was about it. You know, I had a great year. I had a lot of opportunities at birds that I chose not to take. And in fact, the trip to Maryland and West Virginia and Virginia, well, Georgia too. Man, I could have killed some jakes. I could have marked West Virginia, Maryland, and Georgia off of my state list if I decided to kill a jake in those states. And I'm pretty sure if I had it do over again that I'd still pass on the jakes in Georgia just because it's next door. Yeah. And I can be across the state line in an hour and a half. So that's not really, to me, not a big deal. I can always go to Georgia next season and hunt. But knowing what I know now, I don't know if I would do something different in Maryland or West Virginia. Yeah, well. I'm not sure that I wouldn't take a Jake knowing what I know now in those areas. I'm never going to claim to be too good to take one. No, I mean, hey, it's still a hunt. I mean, it still can give you that rush, you know what I mean? No doubt. Because uh, I know that they, I said earlier I got a kid his first turkey on the juvenile here, and he had it was 16 jakes, and they all came running out to the decoys and were fighting the decoys. And I mean, and he was shaking like a leaf, and I'm shaking like a leaf, and I'm, I know it's jakes, and I'm not even shooting, and I mean I was as nervous as anyone. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I, it's all about the enjoyment of the hunt and, you know, getting to take a bird cleanly and take him home and clean him. And, you know, it, it's a whole package. And I definitely would rather go kill one with the big, massive hooks on him and a 12-inch beard. But he's goblin and you get to see the whole show. Why Why not? Kill three birds, maybe not. But yeah, it's still the enjoyment of it. It is. And there are times when it's really not a big deal to take a jake. And yeah. if you are hunting a piece of property and you've been hunting it for a month and you're consistently seeing a jake the same jake over and over and over again and you end up taking that jake well i think you may have ended up doing more harm for that piece of property than you did good yeah but if you're hunting a piece of property and you're seeing 10 12 15 jakes over and over again you're not going to hurt anything by taking a jake no. Yeah, you, so, that, that's how that was. We had 16 of them. I mean, taking one out of that, you still got plenty of two-year-olds going to be running around next year. Yeah, that's exactly right. And it's all about managing your wildlife and managing your habitat and conserving. So yeah. to me, there were jakes all over the place in West Virginia. There were jakes all over the place in Maryland. And I just chose not to take a jake because I was holding out for a gobbler, hoping that I'd have that opportunity later in the hunt, and it just didn't happen for me. But like I said, I had it do over again. I'm not real sure what I would do. So I know that I wouldn't hurt anything by taking a jake off of any of those properties in West Virginia or Maryland. But 
It's well, all good. I have no complaints about this past season, and if next season is just like it, I'll be just as tickled as I can be. As long as I hear a gobble, I've had a good season. I, I just love that sound. It's awesome. And if I, if I can go out in the woods and hear that every morning, I'm I'm a happy man. Yes, indeed. Yes, indeed. Well, sure. Cameron, buddy, I, I appreciate you taking time out of your evening to share what all went on with your season and what your takeaways were from it. And I think that this is information that everyone listening to the show can get a little bit of something out of. And your contribution to all that has been very helpful. So I appreciate that. Yes, sir. Well, I enjoyed it. Enjoyed listening to your takeaways as well. Good deal. Well, one thing that we need to do next season, and I'm putting it on my to-do list, is we need to hunt a little bit more together than we did this season. Absolutely. I think we definitely should. I'd be I'd be down to take a trip somewhere and hunt together if you wanted to. I'm there. Let's do it. So, we'll, we'll put that on the calendar for next year. Let's do it to it. And I know that you and I will be talking more over the summer, but enjoy your summer. Try to find a chance to relax a little bit and get recharged for school, which will be starting back up for you before you know it. I hate to wish the summer away for you, but it's just the way things work. Yep, that's how it works. And make some money, too. That's That's what I'm trying to do. That's the goal. I hear you. All right, buddy. I appreciate what you do for me, helping out with the show. It sure does make things easier and gives me a chance to get out and get a few more guests for the show. So I certainly appreciate that and look forward to working with you going forward for the next year. Yes, sir. I, I really enjoy it myself, and I've I've learned so much just by working for this for these couple months. And just thank you so much for sharing some of your knowledge with me. Glad to do it. I can't say you're better off having any of my knowledge, but... <laughs> <laughs> but you've got it. So. <laughs> yes, sir. Well, thank you. All right. And, uh, have you, a great you have evening. Have a good summer as well. I'll see you later. All right. Goodbye. Bye. All right. I hope you guys enjoyed the interview with Cameron, and I hope you got some information that you can use from that. Put some of that in the memory bank and save it for next year. Hopefully, you will use it and find it to be rather handy. So that's all I've got for you guys this week. Just like always, I'm going to ask you for four favors before I let you go. If you learned anything from today's show, then please forward, like, and share the show on social media. That is such a big help. Also, don't forget to subscribe to the show. When you subscribe to the show, you'll be sure to be notified when a new episode is posted. And to make subscribing even better, it's free. Number three, please tell a hunting buddy about the show. Word of mouth is a great way to spread the love. And lastly, please be sure to tune in next week for another great episode of the Turkey Hunter Podcast. Thank you guys so much for tuning in this week. I know that you have choices. I appreciate you spending your time with us. I hope you have a wonderful week, and I look forward to seeing you again next week. Goodbye.